What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Bidvoe. This is Julie Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This is Invo. This is India Ari. Hey, what's up? This is Brandy. Music and features from a woman's perspective. Intriguing conversation. Espresso. The Mocha Mix. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. Two retired Atlanta homicide detectives weigh in on police brutality, Black Lives Matter, and what neighborhood policing should look like. We're talking to David Quinn and Vince Velasquez about their hit show, ATL Homicide. Cafe Mocha begins now. Last weekend, Cafe Mocha hosted the Salute Her Awards presented by Toyota and AARP. We did it virtually, of course. Some of the highlights included honoring Dr. Kazmikia Corbett of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, who helped develop the Moderna vaccine. For me, my recognition comes because of my development of the coronavirus vaccine. And while I understand that the award is called the Game Changer, and while it's humbling to be called a Game Changer, one of the things that goes unsaid and unrecognized is that women, and particularly Black women, have been game changers for centuries. We have led so many movements, whether it be social justice, political, or, as I am, science and technology for such a long time. And it goes without saying that we are so thankful for Cafe Mocha for recognizing the contributions of women to society and to all of the women and young girls out there who are doing whatever it is that you do to help to shift and change the world, to use your voice to make the world a better place, I personally salute you too. We heard from author and spoken word poet Morgan Harper Nichols. May today be the day you tell the story of the mountains you climbed. May your words become a part of someone else's survival guide. For all the miles you traveled and every decade you have lived through, when and where you feel ready to share, wisdom will shine through. In the same way it shines through all of those who came before you. We have a long way to go, and we have also come so far. And stories remind us that we are not as alone as we might feel that we are. Dorinda Clark Cole blessed us with this reminder. I just want you to know we're getting ready to take back everything the devil stole. 2021 is going to be your year. Y'all ready? Come on. honor the star of stage and screen Cynthia Erivo from the Broadway play The Color Purple, the movie Harriet, and the TV series Genius Aretha. I just want to say thank you for this wonderful award, uh, Creating the Legacy. Um, for me, it's an important thing to be able to do the things you do with the mindset that someone is coming behind you who can also uh, reap the benefits of what you so Uh, in your lifetime and this is for me the beginning of making sure that I can do that for all those little brown girls and little brown boys who are coming up behind me. To catch the whole Salute Her Awards presented by Toyota and AARP, log on to saluteher.com. 
It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Alani Love, and Yo-Yo, Detectives David Quinn and Vince Velasquez spent 15 years working homicide for Atlanta Police Department. They team up again for season two of the true crime series, ATL Homicide on TV One. Welcome both of you guys. Wait, first we need to separate the voices, even though if you watch the show, you definitely know one voice from the other. David, say hi. What's happening, people? Vince, how are you? Good, good, good. And it's season three, by the way. Oh, I'm Not sorry, season, season three. Season yeah. three. You know, Angelique always get it wrong, so it's fine. Oh, <laughs> that's all right. There's just a one in between those two. It's all good. Okay. Well, congrats on season three of the show. For those who haven't seen it, tell us about ATL Homicide. We'll start with you, David. ATL Homicide is a labor of love. It's the diary of me and my partner, Vince Velasquez. We became detectives in the year 2000, first day in the unit. In Homicide, we met each other. We got joined at the hip. This brother became my at-work wife for the next 15, 18 years. I mean, we were just out there grinding, serving our people in these neighborhoods, giving these families some closure. Yo, yo, wait, man, hold up, man. Why, why do I got to be the wife, though? Why, why, why? Well, you know, wait, hold in, up, a, man. In, a, in a friendly kind of way. Why can't we I mean? just be? Why can't... <laughs> it's all good, man. Well, the all wife good. is the one who winds up doing all the work. But, you know, both of you guys are retired. Um, whose idea was it to get back in the business, so to speak, and, and start this show? You know, this is something that uh, we had talked about before we retired. And uh, we had the pleasure of working with uh, a local reporter when we were doing cases. Uh, at the time, her name was Angeline Carrera. And then uh, after being married, Angeline Hartman. We became very close. She went on to do America's Most Wanted. We did some of our cases on her show with John Walsh. Uh, so she aligned with other people, uh, some producers, and collectively all started talking about what could we do with our cases? Because we had so many of them and, you know, David and I always wanted to make sure that we, whatever we did, we did it uh, tastefully in honor of our victims. And Angeline uh, was instrumental in putting that together. So it was kind of a collective idea. Uh, this show, a lot of people don't realize the sizzle reel was shot in my living room over four years ago. Uh, and, and that sizzle reel, that's where it started in some other B-roll uh, is what was used to shop this thing around to the networks. And then TV one came in and was like, man, we love you guys. You know, we want to give you a deal. Um, Vince, how do you decide which code case you're going to bring back? You know, what we've done is we have provided a library of cases and given that library access, uh, the, the production company access to that library uh, and allowed them to look through that catalog and look at cases. Now, you know, it, it, it's kind of strange to talk about these cases in, in a sense of uh, a show because there, there has to be some elements that make this thing uh, a show worthy. We've had lots of cases that we solved literally in an hour uh, where a suspect maybe was on scene and it's hard to get a whole hour show out of something like that. But what was so great about our career is that nothing ever came easy to us. We worked for this. Like we had hard cases. So we had so many cases in this catalog, this library, so to speak, that literally the production company was just like, man, we, there's so many. We don't know what to choose. Let us help you out. What about this case? This was near and dear to me. This was near and dear to us. 
Uh, and then they put it together. And then, you know, we help. We also are uh, we get editor credits and, and production credit for this thing because we we edit a lot of this. It was like, that's not real. That's not right. You know, our victim was this. You know, we want to make sure our victim was represented uh, in the true life and the true form that they really were. The, the people that were the, the, the lives that mattered to their families uh, and TV one and the production company basically gave us the magic pen to, to erase or add whatever we needed to. You know, we always see cop shows and the detectives, there's this one case that haunts them or they wish that they would have solved. What case is that for you two? David, you first. I mean, every detective is always gonna have a case that stays with them forever. Uh, mine is one that actually got solved, but it's because of the nature of it. This was a brother that was out doing the serial killer thing. And I'd never had a case like that where somebody goes out and kills four people systematically, you know, over the holiday weekend during Thanksgiving. And that's all he did it for was for the thrill. That was at the end of my career. And that bothered me more than any case I ever had because most of mine are consequential. I mean, it, something's happening and somebody gets shot and it wasn't always planned. This thing, this joker was getting up in the middle of the night going out walking the streets of Atlanta killing homeless people, you know, one at a time. And it, it just, it really got in me. And it was the last case I actually worked and had my name on it. Wow. What about you, Vince? You know, I have one that's still open uh, and I still work on it. You know, it's a young girl, 15 years old, killed in 1995. Uh, I reopened it as a cold case and I have been connected to this, this poor girl's mother uh, ever since. Um, throughout the years we talk often uh and you know my goal is to, to give this woman some closure some justice uh and this that case still to this day remains unsolved uh she was sexually assaulted uh and and shot in the face two times and killed on her way to school at 15 years old so um and, and again true to form of who we were like the families are what matters and i just spoke to this mother literally uh, three weeks ago, and she faced another tragedy in her family, a horrific tragedy. So, you know, I was one of the first people she called. Uh, and that's an honor. Like, this is not my family, but it's like my family in a sense. You almost take the place of the person that was taken from. The reason why I ask that question is because I think the public forgets that there are homicides and and very bad crimes that happen in our country. And as you both know, you know, there this summer there was this issue um, and it's still going with law enforcement. And but when you hear these type of cases and when you see a show like yours, I think it gives a reason and respect to police officers. What kind of changes do you think you would like to see for law enforcement? And I can ask this question because you both are retired. What would, what kind of changes would you like to see with the law enforcement community in order to make and meet the concerns of people, black and brown people? I'm an old school police. You know, I came on in 1985. I worked in the bricks for my first 15 years in uniform. Those were my people. I was getting, you know, rib sandwiches, you know, out somebody's door while working a call. I was part of the neighborhood. I see today that policing's got to be reimagined. That's just what's up. They've got to get rid of this militaristic paramilitary look. I mean, these jokers look like stormtroopers, like they, you know, like they're going, they're about to go in with tanks just going on a domestic call. 
you know, all this equipment. I mean, I had a six shooter and an attitude is all I had in 1985 <laughs> on the streets. I don't understand what they so scared of. You know, what's the problem? Got they wearing green like the military. That's not police. I was in the same housing project for a decade. I knew where to go get a bath if I had to. I knew where to go and get some food. I mean, people just knew me and it wasn't Officer Quinn, it was Quinn. Even though it's a one syllable name, you know, in Georgia, they don't give you five more. So that's what needs to happen. Police have to go and win one street, one neighborhood at a time. It's on them because there's two different ways people get police. The black and brown get one package and the white folks get another. That's just what's up. And Quinn, we love your voice. Your voice is just so distinctive. And the way you come in, I remember watching one time and you you was going in to, uh, to, uh, to uh, what do you call it? When you go in and talk to a-, a, a, a Interrogation. A, you were going to interrogate. You said, I'm gonna give them one more time. <laughs> just love your voice. It's just amazing to, to hear you and to hear your passion, you know, years later. Yo, yo, I'm, I'm a big fan. So this is like, you know, it's like walking on your, this is like walking through Hollywood right now. Um, bless you, my sister. You've been following since day one, Bonnie and Clyde. Thank you, thank you so much. What about you, Vince? Uh, so, you know, David and I have a lot of uh, similar ideas. I come at it more of an intellectual, uh, and that's kind of how I got down when I was a cop, you know? I, I'm, I'm very, as you can see on the show and in real life, you know, Dave's excitable. I'm like, yo man, calm down. It's gonna be all right. That's, that's, but that's the balance that keeps us, that keeps us, uh, that kept us going and kept our friendship, our family, you know, this bond that we have. But when it comes to, you know, call it what you want, reimagining, policing, reinventing, defunding, you know, it's common sense. At the end of the day, you know, when you look at how people treat each other uh, and when a police officer has an opportunity, some people call it an encounter, but it's an opportunity to walk away and, 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 and do something different than what you're taught. The, the hands on the hips, I'm only gonna tell you one more time, that doesn't work, it never did, it never will. Uh, and that's nothing that he and I, David and I ever did. You know, So you know, every opportunity that I have to talk to a young you know, brother, a cop, you know, female, male, whomever, and they you know, ask me what, what do I think they can do differently? Stop talking so much, listen. If you just listen, you, you, the answers are there. People are telling you what they need, you know, and, and we're not there to solve everybody's problems. We're not there, you know, just because we show up doesn't mean I'm gonna have a solution. Maybe I just need to listen to what you have to say. And then that can go a long way in different, different avenues, not just policing. Uh, but that, I kind of, again, I get a little deeper. I, I peel those onion back way, way back to the, to the core to try to find, you know, find out what's going on. And when you see our show, you know, you kind of see that, you know, you see how we approach witnesses and suspects and victims, families, you know, and, and, and we were successful in getting the information that we needed because we treat people with respect. Again, people just sometimes, you know, they want that space that they feel comfortable with you. It's not us against them. All right. ATL Homicide, Monday nights, 9 p.m. on TV One. David Quinn and Vince Velasquez, thank you both for joining us on Cafe Mocha. Thank you, Queen. Thank you so much. Great. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thank you. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network 
an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, and Yo-Yo on the line. Her name is Keisha Boyd. She is a, an executive director over at Xfinity Consumer Services. And the reason we need to know her name is because Xfinity is going to bring all this Black content, and she's responsible <laughs> for it. Ain't that right, Keisha? That's right, girl. All the Black content. <laughs> We're bringing so, it all together, Black experience. <laughs> welcome to the show, Keisha. We love when we have multicultural, um, you know, directors. I mean, I love it because I think it brings focus to to Black and Brown um, content. And can you talk about some of the original films and TV shows that are curated from this collection? Yes, yes. Well, first of all, thank you, ladies, for having me. So excited to be on here with you all. I'm having a, I'm having a little fangirl moment, uh, but I'll try <laughs> to keep it together. <laughs> so, um, so really, we just launched the Black Experience on Xfinity just in time for Black History Month. But it is not just a Black History moment; it is ongoing. We are invested and ready to support and really engage in um, amplifying the voices of this underrepresented community. Um, and really leaning in on Black content creators and Black-owned production companies. So Black Experience on Xfinity is both a channel as well as a destination on demand. And it uh, pulls together not only all the content from our amazing um, Black media providers, like your your TV Ones and your BETs and your Aspires and Afros, right? All of those great networks who've been in this content game um, serving Black audiences. It pulls together their content as well as um, is a space in place for us to actually license and bring to the platform content that's kind of classic and and our, our favorites kind of I like to call it that um 
uh, those iconic classics that you curl up with, right? Those films you like to watch over and over, like Jason's Lyric and yeah. Poetic Justice, right? Um, and then we're also leaning in on new content to your question, um, where we'll be green lighting um, new content from not only um, film festivals that have, uh, you know, Black-owned independent films and or webisodes, those kinds of things that have gone through the film film festival circuit, but also looking for, you know, that next um, that next Jordan Peele and Issa Rae before they become Jordan Peele and Issa Rae, right? Finding those uh, content creators and their new content and premiering and exhibiting that content on our new channel. I love that. I mean, yeah. it, it feels like this is such a moment that maybe couldn't happen five years ago, couldn't happen even three years ago, uh, where people care about black, you know, I don't want to call it content again, but black shows, black movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are, you know, are there certain things that you hope to bring certain projects that you are looking forward to bringing to the channel? Yes, because, you know, you you said something there, which is this notion that folks are, are interested in our voice, right? They want to, and we specifically, our community, right, wants to see our stories, right? We want to see... Um, you know, more depth in the variety of genres because we're we're not a monolithic group, right? And um, for, for far too long, there's been sort of an overabundance of certain genres when it comes to showcasing our community. And um, while I'm a fan of all content, um, I, like I'm sure many in our community, would like to see more right let's let's show those stories of us being awkward and funny or yeah. just you know living our everyday lives living a boring life even right like mm -hmm. um you know that sci-fi stuff or more co-viewing content we're definitely leaning in on co-viewing content i'm looking for more of that content where kids can get on the couch you know with their parents and watch the same content and and um you know not feel like you got to tell the kids to step out of the room for a minute during this part and then come back in after it's <laughs> over you know <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we're looking for entertaining content. We're looking for uplifting content um, and uh, and inspiring content. So everything from documentaries to scripted work to episodic or full film. So how can I, I mean, how can a content creator submit? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that a pitch? Am I getting a pitch right here on air? <laughs> um so, you know, we are, this, this part is really exciting too. We're actually partnering with um, a black owned distributor, um, Homestead Entertainment, who's going to um, sort of serve as a bit of a clearinghouse for um, uh, accepting out like, a, what would you call it, finished products um, or finished projects, right? So if you have a film um, that you've already, you know, shot, that's, you know, kind of done the film festival circuit and you're ready to see if it can get, you know, new life. Um, we'll be driving a lot of our um, inquiries through Homestead Entertainment. So we're excited to partner with them. And then for new projects and pitches and so forth, you'll have to stay tuned um, because we'll announce in March when we'll start accepting those pitches and what the process will be for that. We're talking to Keisha Boyd. She's an executive director of multicultural video and entertainment at Xfinity. Um, we're talking about their new I don't want to call it a black channel, but it is. It's the black experience <laughs> on Xfinity channel. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Black, 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 black. But we're going hard on the black. <laughs> Keisha, I don't, I don't know if you can answer this question for me. Um, mm -hmm. Years ago, Sharice uh, Lilly, I used to go by the Comcast office all the time and talk to her 
about what the Comcast Foundation was doing and providing and helping provide internet service for youth, for families who, you know, couldn't afford it. Do you know anything about, we actually honored Sharice at our salute, her award some years ago that we do to, you know, honor women doing amazing things in the community. And that's one of the things that we felt like was amazing that, and especially now when so many people are struggling Mm -hmm. financially and kids are at home, do you know at all what's going on with the, um, with the, uh, I do. Yeah, I do. I do. Internet Essentials. Yes. And first of all, I have to say, uh, Sharice is so deserving. Love her. She's my soror. Um, So (laughs) she's so deserving of of all the accolades and all the rewards. But yes, the program is called Internet Essentials. And we're very proud of just how far that program has come and how, how far it's grown since its inception almost um, a decade ago. Um, so in case your, your listeners aren't familiar, Internet Essentials brings low-cost, high-speed internet to low-income households who need internet for distance learning or working from home. Um, and we've been partnering with schools and school districts to help connect large numbers of K through 12 students um, to the internet while um, many schools remain closed. But in addition to that, we're actually helping to provide free Wi-Fi at hundreds of community centers. So this is the new piece, Um, hundreds of community centers called lift zones. So the plan is to um, outfit those community centers, um, upwards of a thousand community centers over the next few years so that students and adults have safe places uh, where they can go to kind of connect and get online when they aren't able to at home. And in March, actually, of last year, in light of the pandemic, we we started to offer 60 days of free internet service to new Internet Essentials customers. So we'll continue doing that um, for any Internet Essential customers who join through um, June 30th of this year, as a matter of fact. Um, But yes, if your listeners are interested, um, families can just visit uh, www.internetessentials.com for more information. I'm I love sorry it. for love taking it. that detour, Keisha. I just had to because it was such a big program and I was really excited about it. And I'm glad to see that it's growing, especially right now with the pandemic. Kids, families need that internet more than ever. They sure do. You said you were a sorority. Uh, what sorority? I am a Delta. Oh, no, soror. Okay. Well, hey now. Hey. <laughs> Ah, key, key, key. <laughs> if we were in person, not social distancing, I'd hug you. <laughs> I know, I know. I tell you, us Delta women, we do great things, you know. So, Keisha, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Your, you know, personally. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, I actually started out. If you can believe this, I started out studying to be a psychotherapist, and that was my plan and my path. <laughs> Um, and I think there was a point where I really wanted to just start to lean into my passion. Um, and so while I had gotten into corporate America, um, I knew that my passion was in understanding the media consumption habits of black women. Me and my best friend actually at that time had launched a magazine, a digital magazine, and we were kind of getting excited about understanding those trends, but TV and movies just always captured me, always captured me from a young age. I feel like I was always trying to sort of find myself on TV and in imagery um, and, and looking for those faces and stories that I could relate to and connect to. And I always tell the story about how I remember seeing, I grew up in New York um, 
well, was born in Long Island and then kind of my, my father was in the military. So we moved um, up and down the East Coast a little bit into the South. And I remember um, I had gone from an environment where I was in an all black Catholic school to now being in the South and was like, you know, one of one <laughs> in a in a classroom um, in terms of being a young black girl and seeing shows like uh, The Facts of Life and, and Tootie, you know, skating around and being the only black girl in her all white, you know, private school. And it's just at an early age, I just remember how important it was for me to see imagery and um, how important representation is. And so, you know, here I am, um, I've made a couple different twists in my career from starting out as a psychotherapist to getting into HR and then leadership development and then organizational psychology, and then eventually um, kind of made my way to this side of the business where I think I was probably always meant to be. And so here I am, and, and I'm excited because I get to work in my passion, right? I get to work on a thing that doesn't even really feel like work, to be quite honest, because it's about the culture, it's about our community, and it gives me a chance to lean in and an excuse to to, to rally behind um, my community every day. All right. It's called yeah. The Black Experience on Xfinity Channel. Keisha Boyd, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, when you guys start launching stuff, just come on back. Just yes. Oh, we'll do. For sure. For sure. We're at, matter of fact, next month in March, we're going to be launching our very first new premiere documentary. Um, it's going to be really, really exciting. We're in the middle of inking the deal, so I can't announce it just yet, but um, we'll be happy to come back and chat about it. It's going to be a big one. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a good one, okay? Bye now. Bye-bye. Loving our brothers, men with strength, wisdom, assertive, and genuine in their spirit. It's the Cafe Mocha Swag Awards, hosted by Rashawn McDonald. Take it away, Rashawn. Thank you, ladies. This is Rashawn McDonald here from Money Making Conversation. This week, I sat down with Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner, Michael Eric Dyson. We talked about his latest book, Long Time Coming, Reckoning with Race in America, breaking down all the facts in brilliant detail about the racial events that have taken place in our country's history. Do I want to share the horror of what happened to a Ahmaud Arbery, yes. So I wanted to lay that out. Look, I did the, quote, spade work. I did the shoe leather on the pavement kind of work. Mm -hmm. I went and dug up the facts. I listened to the transcripts of what was happening there. I looked at the film. I looked at the breakdown. I looked at the timing. He had no possibility of self-defense. He had committed no crime. And out of wanton disregard for his life, and the stereotypical pursuit of a black man as an animal, they went and hunted him down and shot him and killed him. And I wanted every element of that to be brought to the fore, the detail to be rich so that people could understand exactly what went down. If you want to hear this full interview and more, visit MoneyMakingConversation.com. Keep winning. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is The Espresso. Tiffany Haddish just won a Grammy and she found out while taping an episode of Kids Say the Darndest Things. I just what? You just won a Grammy. Love being nominated. I just I just won a Grammy? You just won the best comedy album. Y'all serious? I'm serious. There's no lie. This is for real. I really won? And did you know Wesley Snipes was almost in the first coming to America in the role of the soul glow model that Eric LaSalle had? Yeah, I think we went maybe four or five auditions. Me, Eric LaSalle, my friend at the time, 
Thought I had it locked in there. Came up with a big LV. And First Lady Michelle Obama says the first month in quarantine with the family was fun. Just the first month. We were into puzzles for a while. I bought some oil paints. We had painting week. I'd taken up knitting. The girls were baking. It was all just sugar and light. And then we'd have dinner and then we'd play a family game. I think that lasted for... A month or so. The Espresso is brought to you by Seagram's Escape. So many refreshing flavors, so many ways to sip happiness. Seagram Beverage Company, Rochester, New York. Flavored malt beverages. Enjoy responsibly. That's the Espresso. Cafe Mocha sends our prayers to the families in Boulder and Atlanta and everyone who lost someone, who has ever lost someone in a senseless shooting. You know, we have to get serious about gun laws. This past election has really shown our power. Over the summer, with months and months of protests around the country, we have seen what happens when we all come together. Let's use that power to make some lasting change. Please stay safe. Make sure you wear that mask. And if you need us, you can find us on all platforms at Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.